This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. If you've been at this jazz thing for a while and would consider yourself in the intermediate range as far as skill level as a jazz musician, you've likely come across roadblocks in your playing and have felt like you're stuck on a plateau, like you're just not improving the way you want to. Well, I've certainly felt that way many times in my playing, and I've noticed with my students in my courses and my inner circle members that I hear the same things over and over again when it comes to frustrations from intermediate players with their jazz playing. So in today's episode, I'd like to share with you the top three roadblocks that I hear about and give you one thing that you can do for each one to start moving past those roadblocks so that you can move up in your jazz playing and become a better jazz improviser. All right, let's do this thing. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. So excited to be here as always. Thank you for being here, for uh, putting me in your earbuds today. I do appreciate your time. And in return, I hope to help you with your jazz playing. That's what I do on this show. I'm all about helping musicians like yourself improve as jazz improvisers. And I know that it can be frustrating. I know that regardless of what style of music you play, learning music and becoming better at it is not the straight and narrow. Like, really, it is a uphill climb sometimes. And with jazz music especially, improvisation is a difficult thing to do. And especially if you're very attuned, like an intermediate player would, to how great you could sound if you could sound just like your favorite jazz musicians, it can get frustrating when you're not reaching that level as fast as you'd like, or you feel like you're stuck in the same place. And that's why we need to address some of these roadblocks that I'm going to cover today to help us get past them. Like I said, I'm going to go over for each one of these roadblocks that I hear commonly in my inner circle members and in my courses. I want to go over each one and give you one thing that you can do to start addressing them. Before we jump into that, though, this podcast is, of course, sponsored by my LJS Inner Circle membership. If you're not familiar with my LJS Inner Circle membership, it is monthly jazz standard studies. It is access to all of my practice program courses, access to basics 101 courses, monthly live Q&As with me, and most importantly, a really rock solid community of other like-minded musicians working on stuff together, encouraging each other, giving each other feedback, playing all sorts of instruments, vibes players, bass players, harmonica players, guitar players, uh, trumpet players, saxophone players, you name it, we've got it. And uh, it's just a really great jazz family. So feel free to learn more about that at ljsinnercircle.com. Join us as a member. We'd love to have you and help you with your jazz playing. All right, let's jump right in to those three roadblocks. Okay, 
Uh, roadblock number one. And I'll start these roadblocks, by the way, with kind of comments that I've heard and then address what the roadblock actually is. So the, the first one is, I've learned solos and etudes by ear, but I still feel like my solos aren't creative. Okay, I've learned solos and etudes, but still feel like my solos are creative. The roadblock here is you're learning jazz language like you should and by ear, which is even better, but you just aren't quite able to translate that material into stuff that you actually improvise that actually becomes music of your own. Now, like I said, this is really important stuff. And in all my practice programs, all of my courses, everything I talk about, I really make sure that learning jazz language is at the forefront and center. And while I don't think that it's it's wrong by any means to learn off of sheet music, I always do encourage by ear. And the reason we do that is because if we can do at least some of this, it's really going to internalize. It's really going to, uh, it's really going to get uh, it really in our ear, right? And that's what we really want when we're improvising. That it's really just sunk deep into our subconscious, so that it can come out when we're playing. And so, people that come up to me like this, they they're like, "Well, I've done all the work here. I'm doing the right things. I just don't feel like it's it's really coming out in my playing yet." So there's a few things to address here. And the first thing with this roadblock is, you know, oftentimes this is something that you just have to do for the long term, right? The more you repeat material, the more that you learn new jazz standards, the more that you learn different licks, the more that you learn different phrases, ideas, or choruses of solos, the more that it just starts making more sense to you, right? It's just pure exposure, right? And the only way to really learn things is to be exposed to it continually over and over and over again. And if you're like me, someone who's not a quick learner, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. It's really, you know, I know it's a cliche, but it's really like learning any language. You do have to just continually work on it. And sometimes you may think you know a sentence, but then the way someone asks you a question is different than what you're used to. And now suddenly you don't really know how to respond back even though you felt like you knew the answer to the question, right? So it's not so cut and dry always as I learned this etude or I learned this solo. Now I should be able to play just like that etude or this solo sounds. That's just not how it works. But Brent, please stop telling me about the problem. Tell me about the solution. I hear you. So what is one thing that we can do to address this roadblock? So this is the one that I recommend all of the time to all of my students in my courses and in my inner circle. And that is to start composing your own solos, to start composing in your own your own solos. And especially after you've learned, say, a 12-bar blues etude or one chorus of a solo that you've learned by ear, whatever it happens to be, compose your own solo after that or your own 12 bars or your own 32 bars using ideas from that material you've learned. However, the goal here is not just to play it verbatim. The goal here is to slow the improvisation process down so that you're actually composing material and you are taking those ideas from somebody else and manipulating them to make musical sense to you. Because it's so much easier to play things that you have created, that you've come up with naturally, than stuff that someone else has, right? This is why plug-and-play lick playing 
isn't really the best idea. You learn a really hip, cool minor two five one lick, but then all of a sudden you get to that point in the jazz standard, and you're like, "Oh, I'm going to play this lick now," and it sounds forced, or maybe you miss your cue. It just doesn't work out very well. But if you've learned that one lick and you recompose it like 10 different ways using concepts that you've learned from it like maybe that lick outlines some altered extensions in the five chord leading to the one chord and then you compose as many different ideas yourself that's much more likely to come out in your playing than actually just verbatim playing a lick from somebody else so the way to start overcoming that roadblock at least one way is to start composing your own solos, your own licks, your own ideas based off of the material that you've learned so that you start making it your own. And when you do that, it'll more naturally come out in your playing. And then of course, not to mention, you just got to keep at it. Okay, roadblock number two. Now this is the comment that I get before I address what the roadblock is. I know chord tones over jazz standards. I know how to identify them. I know the guide tones or the thirds and sevenths. I know what they are. I even may know how to connect them, but I just, when I start to solo, I can't really play them. Like it just feels like I can't target those notes. I just go back to the old stuff I was playing. It feels like I'm trying to force it. Okay. So this is something that I hear uh, from from a lot of folks, especially in some of my courses where we work on mapping exercises. And the mapping exercises are you take chord tones over a jazz standard, for example, and you basically play the chord tones, but you connect them together with voice leading from one chord tone to the next chord so that you're able to play all the chord tones flawlessly. Now, these are just exercises. These are exercises that are important for mapping out the note choices that you have and what the most important notes are. The problem is getting from that point to actually being able to solo and play those chord tones or those guide tones. So the roadblock is, once again, I'm stuck with knowing what to do, but not how to implement it in an organic fashion in the moment, okay? So a few things here. First is similar to the answer I gave before, which is the more you do this stuff, the more you will explore your instrument, you'll become familiar with your instrument and where all the notes lie on it and how to connect chord tones together, the easier this gets. So if you do one chord tone map, if you do one guide tone map, if you do this maybe to three or four jazz standards, that's all well and good. But talk to me when you come back and you've done it to 25 jazz standards, right? When you've done this enough that it just is second nature and you know how to do it. And perhaps even in other keys as well. That way you're really diving deep into how to actually identify chord tones on your instrument and and connect them together in terms of a chord progression. Okay, but how do we overcome this roadblock of knowing the notes to play and then actually targeting them and using them. And here's where we start going into a really great exercise that I want you to try. And the exercise, we'll use it in terms of chord tones since that's kind of the one I'm harping on here the most. Chord tones, of course, are important because they are what makes the chords sound like chords. And when we hear our favorite jazz musicians play, they're improvising chord changes. You can hear the chord changes come out, and that's what makes them sound like prose rather than just them blowing over top of uh, scales and everything sounding like scales. So we want to hit those chord tones. But here's the deal. You can still improvise using those chord tones. And what I want you to try first and foremost is try improvising a chorus of a solo, or as many choruses as you like, over a jazz standard you know very well, and only 
improvise using chord tones. Only improvise using chord tones, okay? So what will this kind of look like is you're going to have to be creative, very creative, because we don't want to just go root third, fifth, seventh, root third, fifth, seventh, or you know root third, fifth, seventh, and then voice lead it to the next one like you did in an exercise. No, you want to figure out how to create actual music. So you're going to have to play intervallic leaps to the different chord tones. You're going to have to get creative about, you know, hitting the chord tone of, of this, of the, the two chord, and then going to the five chord and hitting, a, you know, the third of that one, you're going to have to get creative. So when you start limiting what you actually are going to be working on with your improvisation, that's when you can really start applying this stuff. The problem that a lot of intermediate musicians have is they'll learn something, but then they'll just go and start soloing as if it's just suddenly going to come out and they're playing. They're playing all the regular stuff that they were used to playing before, and they're like just wishing on a shooting star that they'll play more chord tones or land on more thirds of each chord than they were before. But what you really should do is reduce the amount of things, limit what you're able to actually improvise. Really, in a sense, stifle your creativity a little bit so that you're forced to be super creative with just a few notes. So if you feel like you're not able to play the chord tones in your solos or hit the guide tones, then what I want you to do is improvise only using those chord tones. And if you work on that for a while, it'll become a little bit more natural for you to incorporate some of that stuff because you'll be using chord tones in a more musical fashion than just running up and down them. All right, the last roadblock I hear a lot about has a lot to do, in my opinion, with mindset rather than something specific that you need to be practicing in the practice room. And the comment that I get from people from time to time is, hey, Brent, I'm practicing a lot. Like, man, I have a lot of time to practice, right? And Whenever people say that, I'm a little jealous because I don't have a lot of time to practice, but that's great. They have a lot of time to practice. They practice a lot, but they don't feel like they're improving. Like they just feel like they're just not getting any better. I'm practicing all the time. I'm doing all the things, but I just, I'm not improving. Right. And I can relate to that too, because, you know, at one point in my life, particularly, you know, at the end of high school and going into college, I was practicing for five, six, seven hours a day, and that's a lot of time to practice. I'd argue maybe a little too much time to practice. And a few things happen when you do this. First of all, when you practice so much, it's kind of impossible to see your progress very easily, right? It makes me think of my my new dog, Georgia, my little puppy, Georgia, who we, we love and adore. <laughs> she We got her about six months ago, and when we got her, she was only eight weeks old, okay? So this is a little, little puppy, and... You know, the other day, I looked at pictures of when we first got her as to now, and I, I just can't believe how big she got, right? Like, whoa, when did that happen? Like, how did she, she get so big? And the reason I didn't notice her getting bigger, as at least not very clearly, is because I was with her all the time. I'm with her day in and day out, and she's a puppy, so I'm definitely around her all the time and keeping up with her and playing with her. So I don't always see that she's growing day to day. And that's kind of the same thing with you. If you're hearing your playing constantly, every single moment, every single day, very often, very frequently, it's kind of difficult for you to hear your progress. And that's why recording yourself in different intervals is also something that can be helpful. So I want to offer a few solutions. So one is recording yourself. First, record yourself one month and then record yourself in three months and then record yourself in six months and then record yourself in nine months, and then 12 months. And keep listening back to how you sounded then 
to how you sound now, right? That's something that you can do to actually show you that you are indeed progressing. It's very unlikely, unless you're really practicing all the wrong things or you're not practicing with a plan and all the things that I like to help my students do very effectively, you're probably going to be progressing if you're if you're doing those things right, okay? It's, it's just impossible not to get better. I don't care if you think you don't have any talent. But the biggest tip I want to give you actually is to take a break from practicing. Take a break from practicing. So more is not always better. Sometimes less is more. What I've noticed is when sometimes I've been practicing a lot and I feel just like I'm in the weeds with my playing and I take a week off, even two weeks off, and I come back, something feels fresher. Something feels better. And I even surprise myself a little bit with how I'm playing. Now, there is some science to this. There is actually some science to this. Letting your brain take the time to basically digest subconsciously what you've learned, right? If you keep piling and stacking things on top, A, like I said, it's hard to see yourself progressing, but also it's hard for your brain to process what's actually going on. And what we want to do is give our brain some space to think every once in a while. So give our brain some time to catch up. So what I'd like to encourage those of you who feel like your roadblock is, you know, you're just not improving, even though you're practicing a lot, is to take a step back, take a step back and take a break. Maybe practice fewer hours as well, right? Make sure that the hours you practice are super effective. And maybe it's just an hour, maybe it's only two hours, maybe it's only 30 minutes, but you're really effective in that practice. That's all you need to do for a good day's work and then come back to it the next day or give it a day in between, right? You don't have to practice every day to make a lot of results in your playing. Now, I like to tell people in my inner circle membership that if you only practice one hour a week for an entire month, you're going to get a lot of, of improvement. Like you're going to improve quite a bit if during that hour, you're really focused and you're working on things that are going to help you improve your jazz playing. Like that is a fact. So if you're feeling that roadblock, push through it by simply cutting back and recording yourself and even taking a break. So to review these roadblocks, the first roadblock is learning jazz language like solos and etudes, but feeling like your solos are still uncreative. So what you should do is start composing your own ideas based on the music that you're learning. Roadblock number two is you may know the chord tones, the right notes to play, but you're unable to target them effectively when you actually start improvising. Instead, limit what you actually use to improvise. Maybe if it's chord tones, only focus on improvising with just the chord tones and challenge yourself to be creative using just the chord tones. And then finally, the last roadblock is practicing a lot, but feeling like you aren't improving. Take a break, record yourself so you can properly mark your progress and maybe reduce your amount of practice time to give yourself a little bit more space to breathe. All right, that's all for today's show. I hope that this was helpful for you, especially if you can relate to any of those roadblocks. And make sure you take action, right? Because like any of the podcast episodes that come out, it's it's all good information, right? It's all good things to listen to. But if you don't take action on the things that I talk about, you won't get results. 
Now, of course, uh, like I said, to help you get take action on things uh, and end the sponsor of this episode is my LJS Inner Circle membership. So do consider learning more about it at ljsinnercircle.com. Uh, see if it's a good fit for you. We'd love to have you join us in our jazz family and start improving your jazz playing uh, alongside of all the rest of us. All right. Well, we're going to be coming out with another great episode next week as per usual. Until then, happy practicing and cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.